Hi there, you're listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. TCC, a home for you. Well, good morning, Trinity. How are you this morning? On this great 4th of July weekend, thanks for coming out this morning. Thanks to those of you that are joining us online. Um, What a treat, what a privilege it's been for me to be here uh, in this area with Pastor TJ and Robin over the last couple days, and we have just had a ball. We've been at the beach. We've We've eaten a lot of food, a, a, a lot of food. I'm not going to tell you how much, just going to say a lot of food. And uh, it's such a treat to be with you. I do not need to tell you this, that your pastors are amazing, that you are a blessed congregation to have the Harris family here in spiritual leadership. Yeah. Pastor TJ Robin. Ty, man, what a, what a great uh, prayer ministry time that Ty led this morning, and Tori, who's a ball of fire, and Toby, the whole family. We were so blessed for a decade to have them as a part of our lives, and uh, we, we would celebrate uh, Christmas Eves. We would be together in the hot tub, and we, we just, we, it, I can't even express to you uh, what this family means to me and what my friendship with your pastor uh, did for me. Uh, I know I seem like a really fun guy, but until your pastor came along, I was pretty, pretty tightly wound. And, and, and he would just make me laugh all day long. And he just kind of loosened me up and blessed me. Well, today I get the privilege of starting off a brand new series called Road Trip, The Journey of a Lifetime. How many of you in here enjoy road trips? Great. Um, the chances are this, that if you haven't taken a road trip yet this summer, uh, you're probably going to go on one, right? And, and, and one of the, my favorite road trips is Route 66. How many of you have heard of Route 66? Uh, that's on my bucket list to do someday, is to travel Route 66. And it gets called or referred to by many names. Uh, some people refer to it as the Mother Road. Others call it America's Main Street. But really, my favorite name for Route 66 is the Road to adventure. And Route 66 begins in my backyard in Chicago, and it goes all the way to the pier at Santa Monica in California. 1939, the great author John Steinbeck immortalized Route 66 in his novel, The Grapes of Wrath. And then a few years later, Route 66 became so popular that in the 1940s, jazz musician Bobby Troop wrote and performed the famous song, Get Your Kicks on Route 66, right? You've all heard that one. It's a great toe tapper. Route 66, 2,500 miles of road that was filled with all kinds of unique attractions and adventures that travelers could experience. There were all of these unique diners that you could stop at and eat along Route 66. In Wilmington, Illinois, you had the Gemini Giant, which was the favorite of every kid. You had the Blue Whale. You had the Cadillac Ranch, which is super cool. All these Cadillacs dug into the ground upside down, you know, just stuck in the ground. Uh, You had the Wigwam Hotel. You had Merrimack Caverns. You had the Cucamonga Service Station. And then I don't know who came up with this idea, but Elmer's Bottle Tree Ranch, where literally bottles are hanging off all the trees. And then you had the Leaning Tower of Texas. It was amazing. And the appeal of Route 66 was this, that it promised travelers adventure and fun. In his book, The Island of Lost Maps, 
a guy by the name of Miles Harvey shared the following. He said, in my 30s, I spent a great deal of time at the Kopi Cafe in Chicago. The walls were adorned with masks from places like Bali, and the shelves were filled with travel destination guides to far-flung places. He said, at the time, I was serving as a literary critic for Outside Magazine. He said, my job was to read and then to write about people who climbed Himalayan peaks. They rode bicycles across Africa. They sailed wooden boats across the Atlantic, or they were smuggling themselves into restricted areas of China. These tales of adventure filled my days and filled my imagination. And he says this, and yet my own life was anything but adventurous. He said, eventually, I grew dissatisfied with reading about adventure, and I decided that it was time for me to begin my own adventure. And that was a key moment in Miles Harvey's life, the moment that he decided that he was no longer content to just read about the adventures of others, but that he wanted to live those adventures himself. Can anyone in this place identify with those feelings? I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you content with the direction that your life has been going in? Would you like to, like Miles Harvey, leave comfortable behind? Would you like to go on an adventure that could change your life? And more importantly, it could change the life of those around you. Because see, everything that God does in you is so that he can do something through you for the benefit of others. We get it all wrong in Christianity. I'm here to tell you today that the Bible is not boring. The Bible is filled with adventure. The problem is this. We often settle for reading about that adventure instead of living out that adventure. We get stuck in our nice, cozy, lazy boy recliners. And so today I want to challenge you. Are you ready to change the direction of your life? Live the adventure that Jesus has for you. Because I guarantee you that Jesus has an adventure that's waiting for you. But here's the key. You have to choose the adventure. He won't force his way into your life. He won't make you do anything that you don't want to do. He won't drag you on the adventure. He is waiting for you and I to give our yes to him and say, Jesus, I want to go on this adventure. Let's go. And I guarantee you that if you say yes to the adventure, that it will be beyond your wildest dreams. It will be beyond anything you could ever imagine. He will take you places that you never dreamed. He will do things in you you never deemed. He will do things through you that you never dreamed. But he just needs your yes. Now here's the thing. You all know that when you go on a road trip, it's important that you take certain things with you, right? That you don't forget certain things, like you don't forget the spare tire or a jack or a lug wrench. Got to have snacks in the car with you, right? If you're traveling in the winter, you want to have a blanket in the trunk in case something happens and all these kinds of items that we want to make sure we pack for the journey. And so we're familiar with that. Well, I want to tell you that the road to adventure with Jesus also requires that you take something very important with you if you want it to be a successful journey, if you want to make it from the start line to the finish line. And the thing that we need to take with us to be successful is the right mindset. 
Why? Because our mindset determines our direction in life. Do you know this? Whatever controls your mind controls your life. Whatever controls your mind controls your life. And the quality of your life will never exceed the quality of your thoughts. And so there's a lot of people that, that their mindset is wrong. It's distorted. And when you have wrong and distorted thinking, or what I call stinking thinking, it allows the enemy to hijack your life and make you believe that things that are possible are actually impossible, which prevents you from experiencing all the things that Jesus wants to do in and through you. You know, for decades prior to the year 1954, track and field experts told all runners, anyone that was interested in running, that it was absolutely impossible to break the four-minute mile barrier. Doctors said that humans couldn't run that fast, and if they did, their hearts would explode. So guess what happened? Nobody tried. The result was that nobody attempted to even run a mile in less than four minutes until a young man came along and he refused to be limited. He refused to be defined by what the experts said. He believed that it could be done. And so in 1954, this young man from Great Britain, his name was Roger Bannister, did what all the experts said could not be done. He ran a mile in less than four minutes. Now that was amazing, but that's not the best part of the story. After Roger Bannister broke the four-minute mile, in less than 30 days, a guy from Australia named John Landy broke Bannister's record. He ran even faster. And within 10 years, 336 runners around the world had broken the four-minute mile. You say, well, what happened? Why didn't they do it earlier? Because they had the wrong mindset. Roger Bannister chose a different mindset, and that mindset enabled him to do what he had been told was impossible to do. If you have your Bible this morning, I want you to turn to the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, because this is our road trip verse for the day. And it's a very familiar verse. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all that you do, and he will show you which path to take. Over the next few moments, I want to talk to you about the four mindsets that we need to have a successful road trip with Jesus and make it to the finish line. The first mindset we need is a need-to-know basis mindset. A need-to-know basis mindset. In our culture, we're obsessed with information and we're obsessed with the need to know. Everybody wants to know everything, right? We have thousands of years of information at our fingertips through Google and, and chat AI and all of these programs. And, and the truth is that most of us, even as believers, we want to know where we're going and we want to know how we're going to get there before we're willing to do anything. And if you're a Christian and you have that mindset, there's a problem. And here's why. Because that's not how Jesus rolls. Amen. 
Jesus loves to operate on what the military referred to as a need-to-know basis, right? The commander-in-chief knows what's going on, but a lot of times the troops on the ground, they're on a need-to-know basis. So as a kid, I remember when our family would travel during the summer, and my dad had one of these huge Rand McNally road atlases, right? Anybody remember those? I mean, they were ginormous. Yeah, a bunch of you do. And, and so when we would go on a trip, my dad would be driving, and my mom would be in the passenger seat, and she would have this big atlas open. And it was really cool because you had directions with the atlas, but if you ever looked at that thing, you needed like a magnifying glass to see the roads. And, and, and it didn't show you specific streets, It kind of got you close to the street of your relative, but it kind of only showed the first, second, and third level streets. But when you got down to the nitty-gritty, there was nothing. You just kind of had a guess. I remember the day when my dad went to the AAA, the automobile club, and he brought back this amazing new thing called a triptych. Does anybody remember the triptych? Yeah, AAA came out with this. You could go to the AAA office, you could tell them where you're going, and they would create this thing that you see on the screen right now. And and the cool thing was, it gave you step-by-step directions, one little page at a time, and it was only about this big, so you you didn't have this big thing open in the car, and it was amazing. Like you could go there, and now turn-by-turn directions wherever you were going to. And of course, the modern-day version of the triptych is GPS, right? I mean, who doesn't want some British chick chalking you in your car all the way to your destination, right? And when you get off mark, you know, there's immediate feedback. Warning, warning, Will Robinson. Make you turn at next stoplight, you know? You don't have to worry about it. Or if there's a problem on the road, if there's construction or an accident, you know, it says rerouting, rerouting. It's awesome. But here's the problem. Jesus doesn't give us a triptych. And Jesus doesn't give us a GPS for our journey. He gives us a compass. It's called the Word of God. How many of you own a compass? How many of you know how to actually use it? (laughs) Oh, good, a lot of people. A compass is a very useful gadget. But here's the thing. A compass doesn't give you step-by-step directions. It only gives you a direction. It gives you a course heading, but there are no details. And that's frustrating to a lot of us. If you go all the way back to the book of Genesis, the first character that figures this out about God is a guy by the name of Abram. He's not even Abraham yet. He's still Abram. And and in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 4, listen to what it says. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, leave your relatives, leave your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. And I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make you famous. You will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. And so Abram departed as the Lord had instructed. And Lot went with him, and Abraham was 75 years old when he left. Now, this story amazes me. In all the years I've read it, taught on it, it still amazes me. Why? Because when God spoke to Abram, Abram didn't even know who God was. Did you know that? 
Abram's father, Terah, and his family were pagans. They served the moon god. They served other ancestral gods. But one day, the, the, the God of the universe comes to Abram, and he says, Abram, I want you to leave your family. I want you to leave your wealth. I want you to leave everything behind, everything you've ever known, and I want you to go to a land that I'm going to show you. In other words, God says to Abraham, hey, Abraham, just walk mm, that way. And Abram says, yes. Like, who does that? Right? Who, who just, somebody comes up. You know, that's like the disciples. You know, Jesus comes up. Hey, follow me, guys. Oh, okay, drop their net and run after. Who does that? People who are dissatisfied and recognize that there's got to be more to this life than what I'm experiencing. That there is a bigger adventure that's waiting for me. And so Abraham decides to go on this big road trip, this big adventure with God. And Proverbs tells us that on our road trip, that God will direct our path. He will not give us a triptych, he will not give us GPS, but he will direct us as we go. That we are on a need-to-know basis. And when we have to know where we're going, when we're going, how we're going, and we need the trip tick before we're willing to go, we're going to miss out on a whole lot of stuff that Jesus has for us. The mindset of any good soldier understands that he's on a need-to-know basis. She's on a need-to-know basis with their commander-in-chief. They don't depend on their own understanding, but they trust their commander to lead them along the path step by step. And that's the first key to taking a successful road trip with Jesus. To get rid of that mindset that says, I need to know every little detail, God, before I'm going to step out, before I'm going to do anything. I, I got to know the beginning and the end. You'll never go anywhere. You'll be stuck. We got to have a mindset that says, I'm okay with the need to know mindset. Number two, second mindset is called an above-the-line mindset. One of the most important things in life, you know this, it's attitude, right? We all know that our attitude will either make us or break us in life. Attitudes will make a road trip pleasant or miserable. How many of you have endured the agony, the agony of being on a long road trip stuck in a car with a whining child? Or a whining spouse? Don't look at your spouse right now. Right? After a few hundred miles, you want to like pitch them out the window and drive on. Because it's not, it doesn't make the trip fun. The journey of life is no fun when you have a bad attitude. Proverbs 23, 7 tells us this. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he in behavior. What is that verse telling us? It's telling us that our mindset, our attitude is directly linked to our behaviors. So what I want to do this morning is I want to take a moment. I want to give you a fun tool that you can use in your life, and I hope you'll use this in your family with your kids because we do this in our family, and it's kind of fun. It's a gauge to help you to monitor your attitude, all right? Because when you have the wrong attitude, you will miss a lot in life. So I want you to imagine with me a line this morning, just a straight line, okay? Think of a line like, the line of the ocean, the top of the ocean, the top of a body of water, a river, lake, whatever, and there is a line, right? At any moment of your life, you are either living above the line or you're living below the line. 
And the goal as Christians is to maintain an above-the-line mindset. Why? Because whenever I dip below the line, something bad happens. I start to drown, right? Now, nobody gets this perfect. Not me, not you, no one on the planet because we're human. So there are times when you're going to dip below the line, but the goal is get back up on top of the line as soon as you can. So my kids hate this because we just will say this phrase. If somebody gets a bad attitude uh, in the house or whatever, we'll just say, hey, 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 get above the line, get above the line. They know what that means. Their attitudes are going south. So let me describe to you what above-the-line living looks like and then what below-the-line living looks like. Above-the-line living exhibits the following characteristics. People who are above the line, they're open-minded. They're curious. They're teachable. They're committed to learning and growing from other people's points of view rather than having to be right all the time. They see circumstances and people as their allies, there to help them to learn as much as possible along the journey so they can grow and mature. People that live above the line have a good sense of humor and they don't take themselves too seriously. They embrace an abundance mentality that believes that there's enough money, there's enough time, there's enough energy, and there's enough love to go around for everyone. They also take responsibility for their journey instead of blaming other people and circumstances. Now, people who live below the line are like this, and maybe you've met some of these people before. They're defensive. They're closed-minded. They're unwilling to learn. I know it all. By the way, what's the number one thing men refuse to do on a road trip when they're lost? What is it? Ask for directions, right? What do you mean I'm lost? I'm not lost. We're just taking a little detour here. I know exactly what I'm doing. What is that? They're not teachable, they're defensive. You don't know what you're talking about, right? That's how people who, below the, who live below the line are like. Can I just say something? You will never reach your destination in the kingdom without the help of other people. So get used to asking for help. It's not a sign of weakness, it's a sign of strength. I am who I am today, I've gotten where I've gotten because I've been willing to ask for help. So a below-the-line mindset says this, it's my way or the highway. People with a below-the-line mindset embrace a scarcity mindset. They don't believe that there's enough to go around for everybody. They don't believe there's enough money, there's not enough time, there's not enough space, there's not enough energy, there's not enough love. And when they look at people in situations, they look at them as threats and enemies to their current way of living because they don't want to change. They always blame other people for the way things are in their life. They make excuses. They engage in denial, fault-finding, negativity, gossip. They rationalize and justify their behavior all the time. They have to win no matter what the cost because of their ego. And a great biblical example of a below-the-line mindset is King Saul. Remember King Saul? King Saul was unteachable. He was Defensive. He was closed-minded. He had to have his way. He was always rationalizing his disobedience and making excuses for it. And he saw everyone around him as a threat, especially that snotty-nosed little kid David. How dare he slay a Goliath, right? And here's what 1 Samuel chapter 13, verses 8 through 12 tells us about one episode in his life. 
It says, meanwhile, Saul was staying at Gilgal and his men were trembling with fear. Saul waited there for seven days for Samuel the high priest to come and it's just like Samuel had instructed him to. But Samuel didn't come. Saul realized that his troops were rapidly slipping away. And so he demanded, bring me the burnt offering. Bring me the peace offerings. And Saul sacrificed the burnt offering himself. And if you remember, only the high priest could offer the sacrifice. But he doesn't. Now, just as Saul is finishing with the burnt offering, guess who arrives? Samuel. Saul goes out to meet him. Listen to what he says. He welcomes him. But Samuel said, what is this that you have done, Saul? Saul is like, uh, well, well, I saw my men starting to scatter and run away from me. And, and you didn't arrive when you said you were going to. You were late. And the Philistines were at the door ready for battle. So I said to myself, since the Philistines are ready to march against us at Gilgal, and I haven't even asked for the Lord's help, I feel compelled to offer the burnt offering myself and not wait for you to come. What is that? That's below the line thinking. Saul is impatient. He's unteachable. He blames Samuel for his disobedience. He makes excuses for his behavior. And he's bent on doing things his own way. That was the first of many examples of below-the-line thinking in Saul's life that caused him to lose his kingdom. So here's my question for you this morning on this journey. Are you living above or below the line? We've got to be honest with ourselves. Those who live below the line complain about their mountain. Those who live above the line speak to their mountain. When you possess an above-the-line mindset, here's what happens. You start seeking God's way instead of your way. You're open. You're teachable to the Holy Spirit. You're committed to learning and growing in this journey. The third mindset is a trust mindset. So when we talk about journeys and adventures and life, we know this. Life is filled with two things, risk and unexpected twists and turns. And that's where trust enters into the picture. You see, the higher the risk in life, the more uncertainty that we encounter in life, the greater the level of our trust has to be. And trust is the key to successfully navigating risk and the unexpected in life. Our text for today begins with these words. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. There is a reason that the writer of Proverbs starts off with that line. Before you go on this journey, I'm going to tell you, you got to trust in the Lord with all your heart, not part of your heart, not sometimes. He's saying this is an all-in thing. Half-heartedness won't cut it. So as I look back on my life, and for some reason, I don't know if it's the gray hair or whatever, I'm doing that more and more these days. I can tell you this, that my life hasn't gone anything like I had planned when I was in Bible college. I had it all mapped out in my mind. From the time I left Bible college to the time I went home to receive my heavenly reward, I had it all mapped out, man. And it hasn't been that way at all. And my guess is, your life hasn't been that way either. Because stuff happens, right? There are things that have happened in my life that I never, ever expected were going to be a part of my story. For example, early on in our marriage, 
I came from home from work one night, and as I opened up the front door and came in, I heard my three small children crying. And I mean, it would more be like wailing. And I wondered, what in the world is going on? And I made my way to the back of the house where our kitchen was. And when I came around the corner, there was my wife, and she was lying, unresponsive, on the floor. I don't know how long she had been lying there. My kids were too young to pick up a phone and dial 911 or get a hold of me. And that began a three-year period of time when she was totally unable to function. During that time, I had to be pastor to the church. I had to be caregiver. I had to be dad. I had to be housekeeper. I had to be cook. I had to be bottle washer. You name it. And I thought, God, how, how can I pastor when my wife can't even go to church? And to be honest, I thought my ministry was over. I was filled with all kinds of questions for God, like, God, how could you do this? God, how could you abandon me? God, I have served you. I've gone to Bible college. I'm doing the best I can. Where are you? Maybe some of you have had those questions in your life because of things that have happened. And I realized at the end of it all, I've really got just two options. In this moment of my life, I'm either going to abandon God, I'm going to walk out on him, or I'm going to trust him. And I chose to trust him. Three years later, we were at an Awake America crusade with Steve Hill and John Kilpatrick. The doctors had told me, you cannot take her because we traveled with 50 people on a coach bus and, and we went about four hours away and he said, she can't leave the house, you can't take her. And just two weeks before that, they wanted to do electroshock therapy and they wanted to destroy the frontal lobe of her brain. The Spirit of God rose up in me. I said, you're not doing it. They said, well, we're the doctors. We, we know what we're doing. I said, you're not doing it. I said, I don't know why, but I'm not allowing you to do that. So two weeks later, we're in this service, and in the middle of worship, nobody praying for her. And believe me, we'd had a million people pray for her. She was just off worshiping. And it was like God reached over and flipped a switch, and she was made completely whole. Three years. Three years. And it's like, God, what, what was this all about? But little did we know that out of that three-year detour came a book and a ministry that she's had that's touched thousands. That's just one of many surprises along the way in our journey that has required trust. Trusting God when I didn't understand what he was doing. Trusting God when I didn't like what he was doing. Do you know how many conversations God and I had? I don't like this, God. And now all these years later, we're in a similar situation. 14 months ago, my 32-year-old daughter-in-law, the mother of my two beautiful grandchildren, suffered a catastrophic basal artery stroke. Only 1% of people survived this rare type of stroke beyond 15 minutes. She survived, but when it was all said and done, she was unable to speak or unable to move any parts of her body. We had to move them from their house into our house because she required 24-7 care. They've lived with us for the past 14 months now. Two weeks ago, as a step of faith, they moved back into their own home. But I want to tell you, it's excruciating to watch your son, your daughter-in-law, your grandchildren experience that kind of pain and know that you are helpless to do anything about it, that all you can do is trust God. 
But you know what? That's the best thing you can do. Trust God. Grace is now walking, albeit slowly. She's a miracle. She's fully present cognitively. She can communicate to you, although her voice does not sound the same and it's with great difficulty. And all, all along this journey, I could sit here for the next 30 minutes and tell you all the miracles we've experienced. And we're still waiting for God to complete this one. But it has all come down to God saying, do you trust me? Do you trust me? What do you do when the unexpected happens on the road trip? Psalm 37.5 says it this way. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will act. I'm telling you today, if you will have a trust mindset, I don't know how he's going to do it. I don't know when he'll do it for you, but God is faithful as we sang about this morning and he will act. But the key is that you've got to have this mindset that is willing to trust God when you're mad at him. Anybody here ever gotten mad at God? I've gotten mad at God a lot of times. When you're sad, when you just don't understand. Our journey with God, if we're going to make it from the finish line or the the starting line to the finish line, we have to be willing to have this trust mindset that won't quit because we won't always understand what he's doing. We won't always understand, God, how is this mess that I'm in right now going to lead to victory? I can't see a way out, God. Thankfully, he does. Without trust, you'll never finish the journey. Rick Warren said this, he said, the more you trust God, the more limitless the possibilities become for your family, your career, and your life. Trust him. Finally this morning, we need a patience mindset. This point needs no explanation if you've ever taken a family road trip. (laughs) Right? What's the number one question every child asks a million times in the car? You got it. Are we there yet? How much longer? And you've been in the car like five minutes, right? You didn't even get to the end of your street. While it doesn't implicitly say it, explicitly say it, if you read between the lines of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it screams the need for patience in this journey. Why do we need patience? Because good things come to those who wait. Because we know that quality products require time to produce. Why do we need patience? Because there are things that I will never learn if I am unwilling to wait. How many of you want to win in life? We all do, right? I want to win in life. Here's the key. I'm going to give you a phrase that you can write down. This would be a good one for your refrigerator. Winning is in the waiting You want to be a winner? Winning is in the waiting. Because how many times have people made bad decisions in their life because they couldn't what? Wait. I got to have it. I got to have it now. They let their fleshly passions overcome their patience. How many people have quit on God right before they were about to receive their miracle because they couldn't wait? Hebrews chapter 6 verse 12 says this, that we inherit the promises of God through two things, faith and patience. You always hear people talk about faith, but very rarely do they talk about the other part of that verse. We inherit the promises if we're patient. Because not too many of us are patient. Saul lost his kingdom. Why? Because he was impatient. He didn't wait for Samuel to come. 
Esau lost his birthright to his brother Jacob because he was hungry and, and he couldn't wait, so he sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. I hope it was a good bowl of soup. But think about it. How many people do you know that ended up sacrificing their future for a now moment? Whatever it was, they had to have it right now. They couldn't wait. They couldn't wait until marriage for sex. They couldn't wait until they had more money, so they made a bad financial decision. They couldn't wait for this. They couldn't wait for that. Mahatma Gandhi said this, to lose patience is to lose the battle. To get the most out of this road trip called life, we have to have a patience mindset that is willing to wait for God to direct our path when he's not moving as quickly as we would like him to or when he's not moving in the way we would like him to. When you've been on a long road trip, it's always good to get to the destination. But I want you to know, the road trip that we're going to be talking about this month, it's not about the final destination. It's about the experiences and the learning that happens along the way in our lives that transforms us and shapes us so that we have something to give to others. We can't all get in the car today and go on a physical road trip together. But as a congregation, we can all go on a road trip filled with incredible adventure and incredible impact if we're willing to embrace these four mindsets. When we say to God, okay, God, I'm good with a, on a need-to-know basis. When we embrace an above-the-line mindset, when we embrace a trust mindset, and when we embrace a patience mindset. And I'm telling you, if you will do those things, if you will hear the word of the Lord this morning and respond to him, and you will change your mindset for this journey, God will take you places you never dreamed. You will experience things you never dreamed. You will have more fun than you ever had dreamed. And when this life is over, you will have left nothing on the table. And you will have changed an incredible amount of lives starting in your very own home and then your neighbors and then your community. It's the road trip of a lifetime, but you have to say yes to it with Jesus. And I want to challenge you to say yes. Don't be content to coast in life. I'm so tired of people that are coasting. I just turned 61 a couple of months ago, and my prayer has been, God, I want to be like Caleb. Give me the next mountain. I don't want to stop. Man, I want to keep pursuing God with all my heart. I want to keep taking ground for the kingdom. God, help me never to be one of these guys that goes and sits in a recliner somewhere. God, I want to be on the road to adventure until you call me home. I want to go out with my boots on. That's what I pray for you. Would you bow your heads this morning? Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would do a work in our hearts today. Lord, I just pray that you would just take these words that I've spoken that are just words unless you anoint them, unless you touch people's hearts with them, unless there's a revelation, God, and you would just use it. 
Lord, use it to inspire this morning. Use it to motivate. Lord, let there be breakthrough in people's lives and their thinking today. God, help us to say yes to you. And with your heads bowed and your eyes closed this morning, I'm just going to ask you a simple question. Is there one or more of these mindsets that as I talked about them this morning, you struggle with? Then right now, why don't you just have a conversation with Holy Spirit and just say, Holy Spirit, I need help in this area. Holy Spirit, I I always want to know. I've got to know where we're going before I'll move, but I'm relinquishing that. I'm letting go, and I'm just saying, okay, God, I'm on a need-to-know basis. I'll trust you. I'll be patient, God. God, I'm going to work really hard to stay above that line and invite the Holy Spirit to help you. You are not alone. The Holy Spirit was given to you to give you the strength and the power to accomplish these things. So ask for his help. Say yes to him. And then maybe you're here this morning and you've never, you've not even started your road trip with Jesus yet. You've never asked him into your life. You've never asked him to forgive you of your sin. I want to give you that opportunity this morning. If you're here today and you'd like to say yes to Jesus, say, Jesus, I believe you're the son of God, that you died on the cross to pay the price for my sins and that you offer me forgiveness as a free gift. I want to receive that today. I want to give you that opportunity. Or maybe you're here today and and you have had a relationship with Jesus, but for some reason you got off on a detour and, and your relationship is not like it should be. And you would just say today, Jesus, here's the thing. I want to recommit myself to this journey of adventure with you. Either one of those categories. If you're here, if you just slip your hand up and we'll all pray together. Thanks. Thank you. Anyone else? If you're online, just go to the chat box and talk to our host and say, you know what? I I, I want that. Could we all just pray this prayer together? Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Today I recognize you as the one who paid the price for my sin. And I receive your free gift of forgiveness. I want to begin a relationship with you. Help me, God. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. We hope this met you exactly where you are. To learn more about us, head to our website at tccde.com or follow us on social media at Trinity Community Church. TCC, a home for you.